Welcome to the Next Element Podcast. We're here with Dr. Nate Regier, CEO, co-founder, and owner of Next Element, to talk about how to form a more perfect apology. Nate is also the author of the book Beyond Drama, and he's putting the finishing touches on his next book, Conflict Without Casualties. Nate blogs at nextfromnate at nextelement.com. Welcome, Nate. Hey, thank you very much. It's great to be here. So, Nate, as I mentioned, we're here talking about how to make a perfect apology. And I got to admit, when I first saw that topic, I thought to myself, okay, I know how to apologize. I've been doing it for years. So what are we talking about a more perfect apology? Yeah, good question. You know, I think with an apology, a good apology recognizes that there's a gap. There's a gap between what somebody wants and what they've experienced from us. And so conflict is inherent. And usually preceding an apology or even during an apology, there's going to be conflict. And so it makes sense that we would apply principles of good positive conflict in order to execute a better apology. I believe that great conflict and great apologies require us to balance compassion and accountability. That makes sense. So why does the way we apologize actually matter? What can you know, a certain type of apology accomplish that a simple I'm sorry can't? I don't know about you, I'm left empty a lot of times when somebody gives me an I'm sorry. It seems like they don't mean it sometimes, or for some reason it's empty, or I'm just left unsatisfied by it. And uh, I think one of the reasons is because most apologies, or just the basic I'm sorry, doesn't address three really critical aspects of interpersonal conflict. I think we have to deal with the heart heart part of it, the head part of it, and the, and the body part. Apologies have to touch on the emotions they have to touch on our thoughts and our behaviors. I think each of them is necessary and not sufficient by themselves uh, to get the job done. I like to distinguish negative conflict or drama from positive conflict, which what we what we call compassion. Drama basically is when we struggle against each other or ourselves to feel justified for the negative things we've done. An example of a drama-based apology might be, oh, I'm sorry for whatever you took offense to. This kind of I'm sorry basically blames the other person for what happened. Compassion, though, comes from the Latin root meaning to struggle with and to embrace the mutuality of relationships. You know, both parties are in this together. And a more perfect apology is about relationships. It's about struggling together to make things right. That's not about throwing yourself under the bus. I guess I'm convinced that maybe I can do better with my apologies. So is there a template to begin doing that that I can go off of? Yeah, we have. We've developed a four-step process for making great apologies, and they address those three areas of the head, or the heart, the head, and the behavior. The first step is to share our feelings. How do you actually feel emotionally about what happened? Usually when we have done something that we shouldn't, or we've crossed somebody or violated a boundary, we have an emotional response to that. Maybe I feel scared about what's going to happen. Maybe I'm embarrassed. Maybe I'm angry. So the first step is to share your feelings. Second step is to identify and clarify uh, what actually you did and its impact on another person. And so this is where we demonstrate that we understand the specific behaviors and choices that we made and then the impact that it had that may have had some negative consequences for ourselves or others. The third step is to make it right. This is where we own up and we start to, to... Probably this is where we would actually say, I'm sorry, because the, the phrase, I'm sorry, is really about owning up and saying, I'm willing to take responsibility for this. So making it right is about starting to own up and 
determine and talk about or I anticipate what things I could do to start helping correct the damage or make things right. And then the fourth step is to be open again and to, to stop and listen and check in with the other person about how they're doing with what you said and even to share how you're doing. Maybe you feel relieved at this point or maybe you're real anxious about how they might respond. It's okay to share that. So I'm curious about step two, which as you mentioned is to identify your behavior. How do you recommend that someone do that and what if you don't really know what it is you did that has upset the other person? Well, I can relate. In my new book, I have a story about one of our very valuable clients that became very, very angry with us and lost a lot of trust for us, and we didn't know what we had done, and it mattered deeply to us. So in that situation, I was able to only get to the second step of the apology without learning more. And so I shared how I felt, how I felt anxious and, and, and upset about what was happening and, and very much wanted to make it right. And then when I went to the second step, I asked a lot of questions. I said, I really want to understand what I did. I want to understand the behavior that was such a problem because only when I understand that can I make a true apology to you. And so I learned. And in that process of learning, I was then able to move to the next step and say, I'm very sorry for this. And here's some, then, I, then we can start making it right. So Nate, whenever I apologize, it makes me uncomfortable. And frankly, I always end up feeling pretty ashamed of myself. But isn't that the feeling I should have when I've done something wrong? You know, that's a really, that's a really great question. And I'll tell you what, I grew up in a, in a world, probably it wasn't just my parents, but it was the culture around us, that they, uh, they would say things like, shame on you, or you should be ashamed of yourself. And getting, getting someone to admit that they did something wrong or getting them to say they're sorry, it was almost like a victory if, the, if you could get the other person to feel horrible. And I don't think that's really the purpose. And to, to explain that, I'd like to make a distinction between two co- real common feelings. One of them would be the feeling of, of guilt. The other one would be the feeling of shame. And those are really different. You know, guilt says, I did something wrong, whereas shame says, I am wrong. Guilt might say, I made a mistake, whereas shame says, I am a mistake. I think Guilt is about taking responsibility because it's the simple feeling of saying, hey, my conscience told me I crossed a line, and therefore I'm motivated to make it right. Shame, though, is about becoming a victim and about feeling that my worthiness is somehow not okay. And victims really aren't capable of taking responsibility for themselves. I think that a real good apology answers three really critical questions, which is, are we worthwhile, are we capable, and are we accountable? And so I think shame doesn't really allow us to positively answer those questions in a relationship. Okay. So if I've screwed up and I've apologized in a more constructive fashion, now what? What should I expect from the other party? Well, I'd say don't expect anything. Uh, Not that you wouldn't want something great to happen, but basically we can't expect anyone else to do anything. It's not about the other person. I can tell you, though, that these are some of the things that our clients have experienced and I've experienced when I've tried this form of apology. I remember the first time I I did it with my daughter. Uh, It was a situation where I had been short with her and I tried to be funny and I ended up being sarcastic and I made some snide remark about her, um, you know, only cleaning the house when I was watching. And then she came back with some comment 
about how I'm always gone traveling and I'm never around. And I realized, boy, this is not going well. And so I tried. Later, I apologized to her using this four-step process, and it was amazing. Um, what I experienced that night and what a lot of our clients have experienced is, first of all, just genuine appreciation from the other person. Uh, sometimes people are surprised because they just, it's such a complete apology that it almost takes them off guard. Uh, people will generally be a lot more collaborative and they'll, they'll let their guard down and actually want to work with us to make it right. And there's definitely a lot less defensiveness than when I apologize in a way like, well, I'm sorry, or whatever you need me to say, or I'm sorry if you thought I offended you. Um, and I think sometimes a good apology like this can actually, uh, people can be taken aback by it. Because instead of what happened creating distance between two people or a power differential, it actually brings us closer in even a more intimate way. And that can be really scary for some people. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. But because I haven't really thought about apologizing this way in the past, I think I'm still having a little trouble seeing it all together. Uh, do you think you could give an example of the perfect apology? Sure, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll share with you one out of the book, and then I'll see if I can remember the one that I did with my daughter. Uh, here's one that uh, I might say. Let's, let's say, for example, that I accidentally forwarded an email that had, it, had the minutes of a meeting I forwarded it to somebody at the wrong time or somebody I shouldn't have forwarded it to. Clearly, my mistake caused some damage, and I'm trying to make it right. I might go to uh, my boss or the person that was affected, and I might say, I feel embarrassed because I forwarded the meeting minutes to people who were not part of the executive team. And by doing this, I disclosed information that was not supposed to go beyond the group. I'm sorry. I'm willing to personally contact each person and let them know what I did and ask them to delete the message. How do you feel about this? So in that situation, step one was to be open and share that I felt embarrassed. Step two was to be resourceful and explain that I understand what I did and I understand how it affected people. And then step three was to say I'm sorry and offer a way to start making it right. Step four was to get back open and, and step back and say, how do you feel about this? And check in with the person. An example with my daughter was uh, I came downstairs later and I asked her if I could talk to her and I said, I said, honey, I feel really badly about how I spoke to you earlier. By being sarcastic, I know that I implied that you weren't responsible and that you didn't um, do your work around the house even though I know that that's not true. And so I completely understand why you would get defensive. I said, I'm really, really sorry and I want you to know how much I appreciate the hard work you do. How do you feel about that? And uh, she gave me a big hug and was like, oh, Dad, no problem, I understand. And it was, it was really a special moment. Um, I know you're also talking a lot about uh, compassionate accountability these days. So how does giving a better apology factor into that ideology? You know, conflict is tough. And a lot of people deal with conflict by either avoiding it and just being nice, thinking that somehow magically people will change, or they go off the deep end on the other side and just get real real harsh and uh, show no, no compassion. And so I like to say that compassion without accountability gets you nowhere. Accountability without compassion gets you alienated. And so the perfect apology that we've talked about here balances the notion of compassion, which means we're going to stay in a relationship and struggle with each other, and also accountability, that we're not going to shy away from our responsibility for what we did and our responsibility to make it right. Great stuff. I, I really feel like I've learned a lot on this topic today. 
Uh, are there any other resources that people can uh, use to learn more about compassionate accountability or the idea of forming a better apology? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, this uh, this podcast and some some other uh, interviews that I've done recently were inspired by a blog I wrote uh, on our website, nextelement.com. I write a blog, Next from Nate, like you mentioned, and the, this, the summary of this four-step process is on that blog. I also have a lot more detail about it in my upcoming book, uh, Conflict Without Casualties, that you mentioned. And of course, uh, anyone that gets involved in our coaching, training, uh, and advising programs for leadership, uh, we talk about these kinds of things and we coach and practice how to apply compassion accountability in our, all areas of, of people's lives. Great. Well, thanks again for sharing today, Nate. Well, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's always great to be able to share how we can uh, engage in positive conflict to create something amazing instead of destroy. And again, Nate blogs at nextfromnate at nextelement.com. That was Dr. Nate Regier from Next Element. This is the Next Element Podcast.